We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What's going on, everybody? It's Candlestick Chronicles, a 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Kyle Madsen. I write about the 49ers for NinersWire.com. Joining me as always is Chris Biederman. He is the 49ers beat writer for the Sacramento Bee. Today, it's schedule release day. We're recording this Wednesday. The 49ers 2021 schedule is out. We run through the entire schedule, take our big picture takeaways, and then go quarter by quarter of the season to see what stands out in each quarter of the year. And we also give our way too early predictions on how the 49ers will finish. Hey, this is George Kittle, and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles. We are officially in heat beating season. Like it's just, that's what it is. It's 8 p.m. Wednesday night. The schedule's been released and I'm sitting here debating whether I should turn on the air conditioning or open a window. Like it's in that weird middle ground where I'm not a hundred percent sure how to handle this because I can't turn on a fan because then it messes with the pod. Yeah, I got you. I'm I'm really lucky in that I'm house sitting for my mom in Sacramento and she has air conditioning and a ceiling fan that's actually moving quite a bit of air right now and it's yeah. it's not it's it's not making any noise. So this is a massive upgrade over my situation in the South Bay because um I have a fan but it's very loud and I do not have a ceiling fan in my room. So generally when we're recording I'm just kind of sitting in like an oven <laughs> because right. I, so, I I close my window and I have some loud neighbors and I'm face you know facing the sunset so um, but a, this is a, this is a good setup 
as a very sweaty person, that's me, uh, that gives me anxiety. I often like thinking about that. I'm often sweating by the time we're done with podcasts. And maybe <laughs> that's just that's just the unbridled intensity I bring to I think that's it. to the recording, but yeah. um it also might just be baking in my in my warm room. Speaking of ceiling fans, the uh <laughs> my house came with the wall outlets have the sliders instead of switches so you can dim the light and theoretically oh, sure. Sure. Theoretically, uh, increase the fan intensity just with the slider. Right. But it did not come with ceiling fans. <laughs> oh no. It's just one little dome light up there. So we've been meaning to invest in ceiling fans and we just haven't done it yet. Life as a homeowner sounds, sounds just a little bit more difficult. <laughs> it, but also nothing, a little hey, bit more you know what, adult. Do you know what the worst part about owning a house is? What's is that? here's, here's the, when you're in an apartment or a condo or whatever, or you even rent a house and you say, Hey man, we had a leak and it caved in my living room, which happened. If you're in an apartment or you're renting or whatever, people go, Oh dude, that sucks. Like, Oh God, that sucks. But sorry, man. When you do that, when you own a home, people go home ownership. <laughs> like, man, just tell me it sucks. Okay. So, <laughs> Sorry, right. you're you not having ceiling fans sucks. I, I feel bad Thanks, for you. Man. But at least your money is going into something. You're, like right. you're you're putting money into something you can turn around and sell and make money back. Um I'm just giving somebody money to 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 sleep somewhere. Which sure. is fine. It's it's that's them's the breaks. It's not always going to be the case, so um, but the schedule released today. Should we talk about that? <laughs> Good transition. Yeah, so the, the, the 49ers schedule came out. We're not going to go through the schedule game by game and, uh, are we going to predict wins and losses? I, I think know. we, but I think we just sort of owe it to people, I guess, to come up with record predictions, but I don't want to go through like win, loss every game. I okay. Think, I, I, okay. We've so done that okay. enough times to where it's like, all right. I think you and I both said like eleven or twelve wins last year, and you know, yeah, it's just they, and you just never know. Or 12 games. You just never know. Like right now, the 49ers are supposed to have the easiest schedule. I think you brought that up either earlier this week or last week. The based on Vegas win totals, the Niners have the easiest schedule. But you know, one injury changes everything there. Totally. So, um, one injury, one trade, you know, whatever, whatever the case may be. It's just, it's impossible. And I know it's a, I know it's a fun exercise. Like I'm a blogger. I'm, I'm very aware of how fun it is to just roll through and predict each game in, in May, but we're not going to do that. What we're going to do is we're going to take this schedule. We're going to look at it by quarter. So every four games and we're just going to assess that quarter. And then we'll get into some of the quirks, the different travel things. Um, just some kind of different little observations we had looking through the first ever 17 game season 17 game regular season for the 49ers yeah and I think there are a couple big takeaways right like you always look for how many primetime games I think that's Mm -hmm. one of the first things fans look for the Niners have five um which is the most you can get and they they very well could get flexed into six at some point or flexed out we've seen them get flexed out too when when things don't go to plan um, but there's there's a lot of uh, 10 a.m. East Coast games, and we'll talk about that. There's there's five of those, but they're all against you know teams that that if you look at the slate of opponents, like you would prefer the group of teams that you're getting those 10 a.m. starts against. 
right. um, I think, for the most part. The buys early. It's week six, um, which is, I, I think, the earliest you can have it, which obviously isn't ideal, and particularly if you if you are making a playoff run and you're not the number one seed. That means um, it's you're going to get, what, 11 uh what 15 straight weeks if you if you play in the Super Bowl or I guess 14 until you get the bye before the Super Bowl if if you happen to make it in this new format so that's something that's the, that's notable what what were you some of your takeaways from uh from the schedule to that to that end though they do have the Thursday night game week 16 so they do get that little right. mini bye between week 16 and 17 that's true which which might be helpful but again like you said if the 49ers had their druthers they wouldn't be picking a week 6 bye in an 18 week season a, th- a third of the way through the year definitely isn't definitely isn't ideal but but when, when they t- went to the super bowl they did have an early buy that's I think true it might have been week five that year week four week four yeah yeah they went steelers they went tampa bay cincinnati steelers at home by week and then browns on monday night football i think that's right week. that's right so as far as the 10 a.m. starts go, I think you make a good point about if you were going to pick the teams on their schedule to have 10 a.m. starts against, they they they're pretty favorable in that in that regard, especially since they start the season with two, one in yeah. Detroit and then one in Philly, yeah, and that gives you time to they have all off season to adjust to a 10 a.m. start. They have as long as long as they want. And then they'll very likely stay somewhere on the East Coast. We were talking about this before the podcast. I had mentioned Youngstown. You think there's a better chance they stay at the Greenbrier in West Virginia like they did between the two New York games last year, though? Yeah, it's just a nicer facility. I mean, the Greenbrier is like a a very nice, fancy, upscale resort that happens to have, you know, a weight room and grass practice fields. And it's sort of... Um, designed more or less to, to house training camps. So um, I know the Saints have had training camps there in the past. I think other teams have too. So it makes, just from a logistical standpoint, it's a little bit easier because everything's in one spot. You practice on the grounds, you stay in the grounds. When they go to Youngstown, they stay in a Holiday Inn, and then <laughs> every time they go to practice, they have you know four busloads right. of people going to Youngstown State, and then they're practicing on artificial turf fields, um, so I, I just think overall the setup is, is, is much better and it's much yeah. easier from a logistical standpoint to do the Greenbrier. Um, and I think so, they probably learned that last year, even though, uh, even though they had so many issues, uh, with the MetLife field and, and, um, uh, you know, all the injuries they had surrounding right. that trip. So they have those two to open the year. So that's, if you're going to play two 10 a.m. West Coast starts, Having two right off the bat is, is is easier than having two in the middle of the year. Totally. So I don't think I don't think that's too bad. Where it gets interesting though is the rest of their 10 a.m. starts come after primetime games. Yes. So they play the Colts on Sunday night football in week seven, and then turn around and play a 10 a.m. start or play the Bears in a 10 a.m. start in week eight. In week eleven, they played Jacksonville. In Jacksonville, 10 a.m. kickoff. That's after a Monday night game. So that's an even shorter turnaround. Yeah, I think that's the worst turnaround they have. Yes. It's home against the Rams on Monday night football. And then they travel to North Florida the following week, six days later. Yeah. They they have an early kickoff. So that's that's about 
outside of Thursday Night Football, that's the shortest turnaround you can have. Yeah, and so what they typically do is whenever they try, they have a road game more than one time zone away, so two time zones and further, they'll try to get there on a Friday. So just for a little context, like if they play on a Monday night, they'll take Tuesday off, um, and then they'll practice Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and take off um, Friday, but it, it does get a little bit more abbreviated because, you know, typically when you play on Sunday, you have Monday to come and deal with injuries um, and sort of a rest and recovery day. Tuesday's um, a day off for the players. They don't even have to come into the facility. A lot of them do their community service stuff that week or that day. Um, and then Wednesday, Thursday, Friday is normal practice time. But with the Monday game and the East Coast trip, now you lose Monday in terms of recovery and you're flying on Friday instead of Saturday. So that's I also think that's that's the longest flight they're going to have. Um, so that's that's going to be an interesting one. It sets up for for a trap game, just like the uh, you know week thirteen. You have Seattle at, on the road on Sunday night, and then week fourteen you turn around and have a ten a.m. start in Cincinnati. That's that's not ideal, obviously, but it's not nearly as bad as playing Monday night. Right. But you do have to travel back from Seattle in the middle of the night um, and then, you know, start your week off that way. So there's the opponents aren't difficult, but just sort of the travel element, the turnarounds, the practice time, the recovery time, that's going to be a challenge with some of these with some of these trips the 49ers have in the second half of the schedule. The other thing that jumped out to me as far as kind of big picture takeaways, and then we'll go quarter by quarter here, but they don't play any division games the first three weeks, and then they play four in their next six games, and then only have two over their final eight games. And yep. that that's going to be... I think that could be wind up being a really tough stretch because division games are always a little difficult. But... They're going to go Seahawks, Cardinals, bye week, Colts, Bears, and then Cardinals, Rams. If the division is as good as we think it's going to be, that could be a really brutal stretch of games that kind of makes or break their makes or breaks their season in in kind of the middle of the schedule. Yeah, totally agree. There, I mean, they're going to be tested really early. Um, and I guess in the middle portion of the schedule, it does sort of ease up at the end, depending on, you know, how good you think teams like Cincinnati and Atlanta and Tennessee are going to be. Right. Um, but, you know, the Tennessee's one, the Tennessee game is interesting because that's a Thursday night game, um, in Tennessee. So that's about as far, I think the furthest the Niners have ever gone for a short week like that is Baltimore. This isn't quite Baltimore, but it's almost as far. And, um, you know, that's a, that's a team that's made the playoffs the last couple of years. So that, that will yeah. be a very tough game. Um, particularly if Derrick Henry's, you know, healthy and rolling at that point. Um, but yeah, I, I think generally their opponents are, are favorable just so, sort of overall because you have a last place schedule because your extra game, um, against the AFC North is mm-hmm. going to be against the Bengals because you were in last place last year. Um, and then you get the AFC South, which generally isn't that strong of a division. Um, and, you know, the NFC North is about as, as middle of the road as it goes in the league right now, I, I would think, mm-hmm. particularly with all the uncertainty with Aaron Rodgers. So, um, yeah, there's some, there's some logistical challenges, but I think, 
you know, if the 49ers do stay healthy, I, I definitely think there's a there, there's a world where, you know, they're one of the top three seeds in the NFC coming out of it just because of how yeah. they stack up against these other teams. And you said it, and, and we'll, we'll, let's, let's get into the, the quarters here. Sure. And start with the first quarter of the season. So it's weeks one through four. It's at Lions, at Eagles, home Packers, home Seahawks. I want to start though with that Packers game because like you said, Aaron Rodgers may or may not be playing. And if Aaron Rodgers is not playing, that game I think becomes much less formidable. Yeah. Uh, you know, barring Jordan Love being the the second coming of Aaron Rodgers after after not even being active for any games last year, which can't be a good sign for where they think his development is, or, or maybe they were just really hell bent on not him not playing. It's just a a very odd situation that if Rodgers is playing, okay, now now you have a great Sunday night football game. If he's not, the Packers have the potential to be not very good. And that has potential to be a buzzsaw game, right? Because it'll be the home opener. It'll be on Sunday night football. Fans will be presumably, I mean, the, the Niners are hoping to, to have 100% capacity Levi Stadium this season, which yeah. starts with that home opener against the Packers. And that's late September, so it's not completely yeah, outlandish to think that. Yeah, it's September 26th. So if that place is full, the place is going to be oh pretty electric God. as long as the 49ers aren't aren't going into that game 0-2, um, which I don't think they will be. But can can I jump back to week one? Because Please, I saw, by all means. I, I saw the, the point spread that the Niners are seven-point favorites against the Lions. You know, like just talking about how electric Levi Stadium potentially mm-hmm. could be. Mm-hmm. Like the Lions haven't had fans in in their place since 2019 either, and they have a new coach, which provides a whole element of unknown. Like, look, Jim Jim Tom Sula and Chip Kelly looked like world beaters in in their yeah. season openers. Like world thing, like weird things happen. Um, weird things can happen when you're facing a, a first time head coach and and you you have sort of new personnel. Obviously, the 49ers are going to be very familiar with. Jared Goff and and potentially the system they're going to try to run there, but I mean that's not going to be I don't I don't think like if I were to bet I would take seven points all day from the Lions I think the 49ers yeah. are the better team clearly, um, but seven points is a lot and I think there's going to be a lot of emotion in that building and I just think some weird stuff can happen I What's was up? surprised to see the Niners the seven point favorite thing like they're the biggest favorites I think tied with one or two other teams. Um, to be the biggest favorite in week one. And I just, I, I, I sort of disagree with it and would take the Lions just given, given what home openers can be, particularly after a pandemic. And I don't want to go through game by game predictions here, but just yeah. for week one specifically, the 49ers haven't been awesome in any of their week one games since, since Kyle Shanahan arrived. They got yeah, smoked in true. 2017. They, they lost to Minnesota in 2018. They they struggled against Tampa Bay in 2019, if not for a, a, a couple of pick sixes. Yeah. Um. You know, it, it, and then and then last year they had that debacle against Arizona. Granted, they were they were pretty banged up in the receiving core, but the point stands. It's not like they they come out like gangbusters every year. So I'm 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 with you there. Seven points feels like a lot, and I'm sure we'll see that come down. My my bold prediction, bold prediction, regular prediction. I bet that's closer to like five by the time kickoff comes around. Yeah, yeah, I, I I would agree. If you're if you're trying, I mean, 
I, I, I would guess Niner fans listen to our podcast, and they probably don't want to bet against the Niners, but just seven points is a lot from a betting perspective. Yeah, just wait. Just stay away. It feels like forever since the Niners have don't posted the seat. What'd you say? I said, don't sprinkle any on that. <laughs> it feels like forever since the Niners have hosted the Seahawks in an afternoon game. Have and maybe that's just completely Seahawks anecdotal, but I, I would have I would have to go back and look. But week four is an afternoon game, um, and it just uh, it like every, whenever I think well, of they, the Seahawks coming to Levi Stadium, it's always a primetime game. They hosted them last year in Arizona in an afternoon game. Oh right, yeah. Twenty well, nineteen was Monday Night Football. Twenty eighteen, the Niners won that one. That was an afternoon game. Oh, that was yeah. That was Nick the weird right in the year overtime. Game, yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then so I blocked out the 2017 season entirely. But you're right. It feels like every single 49er Seahawks game, I think just because of the level of intensity, has it, every single one of them feels like a primetime game, even when it's not. And yeah. to your point, week 13 in, in, in Seattle, Sunday night game. Yeah. Um, the next quarter, at Arizona week five, the Bible oh, talking six. Eagles. I don't have anything on the Eagles. I have nothing on the – the Eagles might be awesome or they might be terrible. Yeah, they, we have no <laughs> idea. We have no idea if Jalen Hurts is good, and neither do do they because they're loading up on on draft picks to potentially, yeah. you know, leverage themselves into getting another quarterback. So Jalen Hurts might be good. Devontae Smith is probably going to be good, but I I just have no idea what to expect from the Eagles. So that's that's definitely one of the games when you look at it. It's like it's like yeah, on paper maybe maybe they're favored, but who the hell knows. Yeah, and I haven't looked, but if it's the Eagles home opener, I mean, it's always, you know, home openers are tough. Yeah, um, second quarter. Second quarter, at Arizona, bye week. Uh, home versus Indianapolis, uh, NBC, 5.20 p.m. start. That's very interesting. And then you have the road game at the Bears on Halloween, a 10 a.m. West Coast start. Uh, I believe that's noon in Chicago, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, that's correct. Um, so what are your thoughts when you look at these Four. Clearly, to me, the Colts game is the most interesting. But do you have any thoughts on Arizona or Chicago before I kind of dive into that? Division games are always tough. I have no idea what to make of the Cardinals. Same. I don't know if Cliff Kingsbury is a good football coach. Like, I, I just, I, the Cardinals, maybe they're going to break out this year. We thought they were going to break out last year. Friend of the pod, Kevin Clark, has this theory about we're always a year early on teams breaking out. Yeah, and the, so I the think the 2018 Niners qualified. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The the Browns 2019. Everybody thought this big breakout was coming and came in 2020. So I don't know if the Cardinals are are going to make the leap this year that we thought they were going to make last year, or if Cliff Kingsbury is just not a good coach and they're a perpetually, you know, flirting with 500 team. Yeah, I I, I have no idea. Kyler Murray though is always going to be dangerous as long as he's healthy. So it it, it won't be easy. Yeah. All right. So. The Colts game is fascinating because you do have the Carson Wentz situation. Um, or I guess just the, the unknown in that you have him going back with Frank Reich. Is he going to be one of the worst quarterbacks in the league who you have to get rid of? Or is he going to be the guy he was in 2017 somehow who was, was he the MVP favorite before he got hurt? I know he, he's probably in the top three, right? In 2017? 17. Yes, he was definitely the favorite. Okay, so... 
you know, he's probably not going to get back to that level, or, or at least it would be completely unrealistic to expect him to, but I guess knowing he could get back to that level. But if he's like, if he's a top 10 quarterback and you pair that with everything else that roster has going for it, that could be a really tough game and a really interesting yeah. game. Um, and it's going to be DeForest Buckner's return to, uh, to Santa Clara. And the Buckner thing is interesting to me because I look at the Niners trading to Forrest Buckner as potentially, um, you know, one of the worst moves that, that Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch have made to date, or at least one of the most questionable. And that's not to say it's going to be a bad move and it's, and it's, um, you know, it, it could, there's definitely room for it to get better. If Javon Kinlaw turns into a good player, and Eric Armstead gets back to being a double-digit sack guy, which he's been one time in his career, then it then it looks good. But based off 2020, I think it's fair to say that it hasn't been a great trade. And, and you know, frankly, even with the salary cap stuff going down, the 49ers could have absolutely made the DeForest Buckner contract work if they wanted to. Um, he's making a million more this year in 2021 than Kinlaw and Armstead combined. Um, and the 49ers have six million in cap space and they're probably going to end up with more cap space once they get some of these, um, you know, other extensions done or at least Fred Warner's. Um, I would imagine that's not going to eat too much into too much of their cap space. So the, the point being here is, is I think the Buckner thing is going to be interesting because look, you trade away your most durable player and then the next year you're just completely decimated with injuries. Like it, it really felt like the 49ers could have used a Forrest Buckner last year. Um, good call. <laughs> like you know, no, I think, the, I think we were both wrong. I, I think we were both wrong on that though, because we, at least I, I think you I understood the logic, but it right, hasn't totally. aged well. It After has, one year, it just hasn't aged well. So the 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 logic didn't wind up tracking. <laughs> no, swing but and it, a miss. Yeah, but like so, but it sort of goes back to the the other issues that that you could like the other critiques you could have of the Shanahan and Lynch regime in that they haven't had great luck with a lot of their big contracts. No. Nope. Right? Like they didn't want to pay DeForest Buckner, but they did want to pay Quan Alexander and D Ford mm-hmm. and Weston Richburg. And albeit, you know, the Richburg thing, he's he's been hurt. You can't really blame the front office for that. But Ford has had back he had back injury back issues in college. Um, and in the pros and knee issues in the pros. And then the 49ers gave him that deal, paying him $17 million. Anyway, the point being here is that Buckner's coming back and it's just going to highlight the whole trade and potentially one of the worst mistakes that, that Shannon and Lynch have made. And it's, it's not to say that it's going to cost them like, you know, contending for years to come, right. but it's just something that needs to be pointed out. Yeah, I, I, I'm with that. And it'll get pointed out, I think, plenty probably in leading up to that week seven matchup, especially yeah. since there's a bye week beforehand. And right. you said it with the Colts. This is a playoff team last year with 96 year old Philip Rivers quarterbacking for them. If Carson Wentz is half the player he was in 2017, they might be a really, really awesome team. Yeah. And that, for- that runs away with their division and is one of the, one of the best teams in the AFC. And Carson Wentz beat the Niners last year, although. Yeah. You know, he, I think Nick Mullins was awful in that game. Dante Johnson. Yeah. But, um... Travis Fulgham, am I right? Yeah. Yeah, you, you just got... He's a Tuesday guy. And the... the okay, so... So <laughs> so we talk about DeForest Buckner for Week 7. Week 8, 
that has very real Justin Fields potential, even if he's not the week one starter. Oh, totally. And you're looking at halfway through the season, maybe the Bears aren't off to a great start. That could very easily be Justin Fields' debut. Um, I'm, I am endlessly fascinated by that, by that game because we could have Jimmy Garoppolo against Andy Dalton. We could also have Trey Lance against Justin Fields. And that, that, that I think would be the ideal for, for, <laughs> for everybody involved because that would I make know. that game suddenly uh, one of the, one of the most interesting of the week. I know which I would rather watch. Uh, listen, listen to the stretch for the for the Bears leading into this. Game. Trey Lance against Andy Dalton is the one you'd rather watch. <laughs> <laughs> um, they the Bears host the Packers. They travel to Tampa and then they get the Niners. So like, oh, God. So if if the Niners are as good as they potentially could be, they're a contender in the NFC. In the NFC, if Aaron Rodgers is playing, they're obviously a contender in the NFC. So you get all three of potentially the top three teams in the NFC straight. And so if Andy Dalton stinks against the Packers in Tampa Bay, then you're, to your point, this very much could be a Justin Fields uh, situation because, you know, if they're at a point where they're not winning games with Andy Dalton, then you just got to go with something new. So that could be – it would be fascinating if Justin Fields' first start uh, came against the 49ers. That would be – And there's – That would be po- poetic. My my red hot take is that he's going to outplay Andy Dalton in camp and probably win the Bears starting job. Yeah, but I think you're going to be right. But this is not Soldier Field Chronicles. We won't get into that. <laughs> but <laughs> do you think if Trey Lance doesn't start Week One, do you think there's any chance that that Bears game is like his second start, where they go into Week Six? Uh, let's say they go into Week Six, three and two. After their first five, they get the bye week, and then Lance starts week seven that Sunday night against the Colts. Yeah, I think the bye is kind of – I hadn't thought about it until just now, but I think that bye – I said – didn't I say earlier I thought five and a half games would be the over-under for Jimmy Garoppolo starts? I think that's – yeah, that was the so, number we say yeah, the, uh, so, the last pod. Yeah, so the bye, the bye comes week six, which is right there. So that that's a fascinating – that's a fascinating point in the season because if you are going to make a quarterback change, it would make sense to do it over a bye week, right? So, um, yeah, that's that's interesting. We'll we'll keep an eye on that. I think the Trey Lance stuff is going to be is going to be a hot topic of discussion uh, for us in this pod going forward. You think? Yeah, I mean, surrounding this bye week and you know when he Trey Lance is going to get some that. burn on this pod for sure. Yeah, he's going to get some run. Hope you guys are ready because we're going to talk some Trey Lance. <laughs> Buckle up. You want to move on um, to the next quarter? Yeah, it's they're talk they're not technically quarters because they're seventeen weeks, but um you know. To, Four but, quarters in overtime. Yeah, we're not this isn't a math, mathematics podcast. Um third quarter not, Arizona at hang home. On, hang on, hang on. Can't stick sign cosine calculus algebra. <laughs> Okay, third quarter. Arizona at home, Monday night at home against the Rams, November 15th. At Jacksonville the following week, toughest turnaround of the year potentially, um, or or one of them. They actually have three tough turnarounds in the second half. And then home to Minnesota. So 
I mean, a pretty tough stretch, I would say. If the Cardinals are good, you get the Rams in prime time. It, the, no matter how good or bad the Jaguars are, I think that is going to be a tough game just to get up for because you're you're probably going to come off of a pretty emotional game against the yeah. Rams no matter how it goes. And Trap then Minnesota. Yeah, Minnesota is a team that I have no feel for right now. So I don't know what yeah, to expect. I'm grabbing Minnesota. I'm grabbing Minnesota, Philly, the Colts, the Falcons, and I'm putting them all in this this bucket of maybe they win six games, maybe they win twelve games. I, I I'd throw Arizona in there. Yeah, yeah, Arizona too. I, I just the, the I, Seahawks, I guess. Yeah. The moral of the story is I don't have any idea on any of these teams. The Seahawks could be due for the twenty four sorry, twenty yeah, twenty fourteen forty nine or Yeah, Harbaugh's last year, yeah. Yeah. Not that Pete Carroll's gonna get fired, but it just it seems like things are just simmering in a in a weird way up there. Um the last quarter before the week seventeen and week eighteen, um at the Seahawks Sunday night football, turnaround at Cincinnati for an early start, uh, home for the Falcons, and then at Tennessee on Thursday night, December 23rd. So the good thing about the Thursday night game is is you get the holiday weekend off because Christmas is going to be that Sunday, or I guess that Saturday. Um, We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So the players will be happy and the coaches will be happy and media members may or may not be happy. Uh, yeah, and while the rest nice, of the hey, league fans, does have to play on Christmas. Fans should be happy because you get to knock out your Niners game that Thursday. Maybe people will work that Friday, but if you have that Friday off, now all of a sudden you have the Niners game out of the way. Then you get to go into Friday, Christmas Eve, if you celebrate. And then Christmas Day, again, if you celebrate. And then Sunday, you're going to have a slate full of NFL games, and you don't have to worry about watching your favorite team. Yeah, Merry Christmas. It's just a great way to wrap up the holiday weekend if you celebrate. Yeah. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything, which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcast. Um, 
Seahawks is going to be fun. I'm hoping that's a high stakes game. The Bengals game, I put it in the same category as, as the Jaguars game in that it's a turnaround against a bad team, but it still could potentially be a trap game, particularly if the Seahawks game is, is, you know, an emotional slugfest, which they tend to be. Um, and then home for the Falcons, no idea what to make of the Falcons. Could be good, could be bad, like, like we've mentioned. And then I, I would also put Tennessee in that bucket because, we have no idea what they're going to look like without Arthur Smith. Like, was Arthur Smith the guy over there? Are they due for a drop-off, or are they going to keep ascending? Yeah. Um, don't know what to make of the Titans just yet. And their defense was weird last year, and they had the defensive head coach. So if the Titans go into this year and through eight games are sitting at, like, three and five or four and four, and their defense isn't very good, now all eyes are turning to their head coach, and, and they could have real problems by the time week 16 comes around. Yeah. Or they, like you said, or they make a jump this year and they, they win 13 games. All right, I'm calling these last two weeks the remainder. Um, okay. We got Houston at home, 105. Tough people in Minnesota say reminder. Just send me a remainder. <laughs> sorry, go ahead. I'm delirious. <laughs> um, min, uh, sorry, you got me Please don't Minnesota. unsubscribe to the podcast. <laughs> Houston, January 2nd. Uh, 105 start and then end with the Rams at SoFi Stadium. Um, obviously that game could potentially be flexed if it's a scenario like 2019 against the Seahawks where there's the division title and playoff seating on the line. Um, that's, that's just great, great job of scheduling by the NFL. I know the Seahawks yeah. stuff is always fun, particularly late in the year, but I'm glad to see it's the Rams. Um, because I think the, the rivalry could, could get to a really entertaining point this year with Matt Stafford and, and you know, potentially Trey Lance. Um, and just the coaches, all of that. All that stuff's been talked about ad nauseum. But I just I just really like the way these two teams match up. Um, I think it's, you know, I think the 49ers were a big reason. Like Jared Goff's performance against, performances against the 49ers were a big reason why Sean McVay was not so enamored because – over the last two years, even last year when the 49ers were dealing with injuries, like I, the, the Niners had, like Jared Goff didn't have anything for the Niners. I have numbers on this. Oh, let's go. Actually, I have these ready. Let's let's hear them. Over the last two years, Jared Goff has played four games against the 49ers, 78 for 139. That's 56.1% completion rate. 797 yards, four touchdowns, four picks. That's a 70.3 rating. Yikes. Not good. Well, and the Niners get him week one. So maybe maybe that is the reason why you should hammer the Niners in their in their seven points. But now he's going to be biting kneecaps <laughs> or something. I don't know. Dan Campbell seems like an interesting cat. Yeah. Um, yeah, so like I said, I, I just – Looking at the schedule, I think there are some trap doors just in terms of the, the short turnarounds at Jacksonville, at Cincinnati, um, at Tennessee. Those are all short turnarounds. They they are definitely winnable games, but, um, you know, team, teams lay eggs all the time, and I, it wouldn't surprise me at all if the 49ers did. So I think I could... those games are going to be interesting. I think you you need to win two out of those three and then just handle business against everybody else, and you're probably going to be in a playoff spot. I think, too, uh, I want to go back a quarter to the to the fourth quarter. I want to leave the remainders. Okay. And I could totally see that Falcons game at home 
in Week 15 playing out a lot like the Week 15 Falcons game played out in 2019. Was that Week 15? I was thinking about yes. that today. Yeah, yeah, because that was after... And then they played the Rams Week 16. That was after their trip to Baltimore. Baltimore and New Orleans. Yes, correct. So that was after that trip. Well, this time they'll be going at Seattle Week 13, then at Cincinnati. Cincinnati might be okay this year. And then they have... The Falcons and then that Tennessee quick turnaround. So when you look at that Falcons game, especially if the Falcons are just kind of a mediocre team, like they're they're not really making any noise, I could I could totally see the Niners coming out and, and having a game a lot like that one where they just kinda it's just kinda lackluster. Yeah. You know, a couple weird things happen. George Kittle randomly fumbles <laughs> on a on a play that would have iced the game. Yeah, you you might need I mean it so with 17 games, there's more. There's obviously more opportunity because there's more games. But there's more opportunity for those just like lackadaisical effort, you know, sort yeah. of. I don't want to say schedule loss because I think schedule losses are a cop out a lot of the time. But like, there are just games where you you don't have that emotional verve um, that that you just have in other situations. And and you bring up that 2019 stretch. Remember, that was the Niners played, I think, the Packers, the Ravens, and the Saints, and that was the toughest three-game stretch at that mm. that late in the season. It was late November, early December in mm. league history, just according to their winning percentages. Yeah. Um, so they, they just came home and obviously were better than – they were a better team than the Falcons, but the Falcons were able to win the game. They did have some luck, but it just overall was not a great effort from the 49ers, which is why I bring up sort of these trap games because you do wonder if that's going to – if that's going to happen again I, over a 17 game slate. I did not <laughs> I did not anticipate one game being this much different. Yeah, it's when weird. When it got when it got announced it's like, oh, okay, it's one game, but now when I look at the schedule, like you said, it feels like there's 10 extra games. Yeah, and just trying to think about the all the records, right? Because like twelve and four, thirteen and three, fourteen and two, like all that stuff is They're like just ingrained in, in your head. Ingrained in our head, like you have to do math now with seventeen games. <laughs> like it, it, like it's it's very elementary math, but it's just like eleven and six just like doesn't sound right. Yeah, you know, like how good is eleven and six? Is it is it like closer to? I like that's yes. I have, like, the Niners over-under is 10 for this year. And when yeah. I first saw it, I was like, holy shit, that's a that's a big number. Yeah. But now it feels like, oh, that's actually more like 8. Even though it's only one game, if that if that makes any yeah, sense. Like, like, 10 and 7 is feels like, oh. Yeah, 10 and... It, it's weird because, think, like, 11 and 6 in a 16-game schedule, like, are you closer to 10 and 6 or 11 and 5? If you're 11 and 6, you know what I mean? Like, it, it's, I feel like you can look at a 10 and 6 record and have a pretty good idea of how good that team is. And 11 and 5 is just like, oh, that team's obviously better. Like, what's 11 so, and 6? Is so, it, is it, obviously it's, it's better because it's 11 wins, but it's still like, it's just hard to wrap your mind around an odd number of games. And the, and the winning percentages calculate out to like less than a full win. Right. So you, it's not even like there's a I, I just dude we're doing a lot of math yeah it's hurting my head but yeah so it's going to be really interesting to see because we also don't have a feel for what like ten wins used to be like all right that gets you in the playoffs yeah 
now does it it's this this first year and maybe the first couple years until we have we have more than a season's worth of data points is going to be i said data points to sound smart if we have a bigger sample size <laughs> that's when i i think we'll get a better a better feel for and for it's it. also this first year is going to be weird yeah it's also weird because you have seven playoff teams too yes which is also an odd number sources say um confirmed <laughs> let's 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 hit let's hit predictions real quick yeah what's your what do you think the record's gonna be all right so i've gone through this i've looked at it i've tried to factor in weird trap games i've tried to factor in realistic ceilings for each team and all that i've factored in the 49ers being healthier than they were last year I think they go like 13 and 4. Maybe 12 and 5. 12 and 5. 13 and 4 is really optimistic. I'm going 12 and 5. Okay. I'm going to say 11 and 6. I have no idea how good either of those are. <laughs> I don't know how good 11 and 6 is. I, 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 don't, I just I just don't. Um Yeah, but it's just if if my my weird rule of thumb is you just chalk up two division losses no matter how good a team is within the division. Sure. Sure. So, like, I couldn't even tell you which two. It's just, like, two. Di- they're going to, they, let's say, two division games. And then, let's say they lose one they shouldn't. Um, that That's kind of how I go through and do it. Because it's, it's it's just impossible to kind of go game by game. So you just kind of follow trends and try and make up anecdotal things in your head that make sense. So 12 wins. Yeah. Like, I, so I think, like, I feel more comfortable predicting right now the 49ers winning... Week three against the Packers, even if Aaron Rodgers plays, I just think it's going to be a buzzsaw game um, because yeah. of the atmosphere and you know the first time everybody's back since the pandemic, the home opener, all of that. Cool. And the um, last two times the Niners and Packers have played with the Niners healthy, they've beat them by sixty points. Yeah, and we don't know if Aaron Rodgers is even going to be there. So um, I feel the same way about the Colts, even though those are two two pretty good opponents. Like I said, like. Maybe I'm just overthinking it and overrating the trap game stuff, but like, man, at Jacksonville after the Monday night game against the yeah. Rams is tough. They're gonna have that Tebow culture. Factor that in. Oh, the Tebow stuff. I, you know what? Like, as dumb as it is, like just the idea that, oh yeah, let's bring in a guy that hasn't played in a decade and let's have him switch positions and you know culture and all that stuff. It's an idiotic idea. But I kind of want it to. I kind of want to see it happen. Like can in the I, game. Can I tell you why it's not just Tim Tebow that I think? Like it has nothing to do with Tim Tebow the player. This would be like Patrick Willis, who is a player I like more than maybe any other player ever. It would be like the 49ers saying, "Yeah, we're re-signing Patrick Willis, but we're going to move him to tight end." Yeah. It just, it would be like, "Don't. What are you doing? That's a terrible idea." Yeah, I just i i don't I think there are all sorts of problems with it, and I think there are a lot of players who deserve opportunities. Probably yeah. actual tight ends who deserve real opportunities more than um, somebody like Tim Tebow. Hey, but he is he is a marketing dynamo, and he's and, a competitive and, maniac per the head coach. Yeah, uh, I think there are going to be a lot of Tim Tebow jerseys and fans potentially in the you know swimming in the pools in that jacksonville stadium so hey before the pools are full of mayonnaise true story <laughs> uh, uh no when i when i was when i was uh running a titans vlog uh 
they were playing against Jacksonville and there were videos coming out of the Jacksonville tailgates of people literally with kiddie pools full of mayonnaise jumping into them. Weird, <sighs> weird place. That sounds like the worst thing ever. It's, I can't think of it because you know it's hot and like muggy. Ugh, I don't even want to eat mayonnaise in that weather, much less dive into a pool of it. Hey, before we get out of here, can we... <laughs> Isn't it curdle or something? It has to. Like, what's the Ugh. boiling point? What's the boiling point of mayonnaise? I know next to nothing about mayonnaise because I despise mayonnaise. The so. boiling point of same. The boiling point of mayonnaise has got to be like I think that's probably why both of us were out on Mac Jones too. But <laughs> I, I think the bo- <laughs> I think the boiling point of mayonnaise is is somewhere between seventy four and eighty four degrees. Okay. And at that point, it just kind of starts to bubble into, like, into goop. I'll keep an eye out. Fatty um, goop. I'll keep an eye out as, you know, if I'm walking into the, if I walk into the stadium, I'll keep an eye out for, for kiddie pools filled with mayonnaise and jack Please, take take lots of pics yeah. while you're there. R- real quick, before we get out of here. Mm-hmm. Ambry Thomas had a Zoom presser today. Yes. And based on the quotes I saw, he's very confident in his abilities. I may. What uh, were your takeaways from Ambry Thomas? I am a fan of uh, of Ambry's approach. You get a lot, and rightfully so. But like, you get a lot of rookies who come in and don't want to say anything because right. they're rookies, and you know, you don't. If you're a veteran, you don't love when rookies are drawing attention to themselves and all stuff like that. Um, what I think is different about Thomas is it just felt very, like it felt a little bit, you know, genuine, like, oh, he's just very confident and this is just how he is. And he yeah. doesn't really worry about the game that you need to play sometimes being a rookie. And so, you know, he came out and he was asked by, uh, by our buddy Nick about, you know, sticker shock in moving to the Bay Area and the housing prices and the tax rates and all of that stuff. And he was like, yeah, it sucks, but you know, my, what do you say? My play will take care of my pockets. Yeah, that's an um, incredible thing to say because yeah. it's what everybody wants to say, but nobody does. Right. Like everybody's that confident. If you've made it to the NFL, you're confident in yourself and you know that you're one of the very best football players in the universe. Right. And right. just the fact that he said that is like, thank you. Yes, it's very refreshing. He, he also said once he gets, I mean, he's definitely not lacking for confidence. But he's like, yeah, once I get the playbook, it's over. It's like it's over. Like what's over? <laughs> what does that mean? Like you're you're just you're just gonna start. You're gonna you're gonna start and be good. It's over. Like it's okay. But it's like, and I don't want I you know I I don't want people to get the wrong idea when I say this. But when you listen to like somebody like Jalen Ramsey talk, like it's a similar level of confidence, right? And I'm not in any way comparing Ambry Thomas. Chris Biederman in Sacramento B compares Ambry Thomas to Jalen Ramsey. <laughs> I just want to be very clear in that, like, the confidence level and the way he speaks, sort of it was Jalen Ramsey-esque. Now, that doesn't mean anything in terms of the quality of player Ambry right, Thomas is going right, to be, right. but i just trying to provide context into the level of confidence he had in his presser, which came, I think today or yesterday was the first day rookies were at, we're recording this Wednesday, um, the rookies are just getting to... Um, to the facility now, and they will participate in minicamp Friday through Sunday. Uh, you'll be there. You'll be there Friday, right? 
I will be there on Friday observing the rookies and observing which, one Trey Lance should he participate, which I think he will be. Which five players are you watching closest? Um, Trey Lance. Oh, good one. I didn't yeah. think about that. I, I want to see I want to see Aaron Banks and how he moves his feet and gets mm. out in space. I want to see him do a reach block. Yeah, yeah. Can he can he reach the shade on the uh, you know on the on the linebackers on the outside zone plays? Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I obviously want to see if if Ambry can stick. Uh, you know if he if he can shadow and stay in phase with guys. Uh, <laughs> I want to see how they use Diamador Lenore. Um, oh, that's is that, that's a, is that five or is that that's oh, four? I, guess, I figured five was going to be NA. Okay, five, five, not available. I'm, I'll, I will go with five. Um, I mean Trey Sermon. Yeah, I want to see what he looks like in up close because if he's, I mean, as as an Ohio State alum who watched him play frequently, oh good god, like, I think he, uh, <laughs> I think he's a good fit. And if and if he's like, you know, I'm just curious to see his physicality in person. They traded two fourth round picks to move up to get him. Yeah, like they have to. They must really like him. They really like him. Yeah, and he's, you know, he's had some injury stuff. Um, I don't think it's too bad, but I, uh, I'm very interested to see because it wouldn't surprise me at all if Trey Sermon ended up leading the 49ers running backs and carries this year, just because yeah. I think he's, I think he's that good, and I think the 49ers think he's that good. Hence the investing two fourth round picks to get him. I am most excited to see. What Talanoa Hufanga looks like on a football field. He's gonna be the guy who's like everywhere in the preseason. Yes. And fans are gonna be like, is Starting. he better than is he better than Drew Greenlaw? <laughs> are, are we sure? You know, like I feel like it's gonna be, and it's not gonna make any sense because that's what happens in the preseason. You always get some some but backup I, player play well, but I think Hufanga is easily that guy for me in uh, in the preseason this August. He's going to be, I just, I think he's going to be a blast. Like, yeah. it's just a dude that, like, just watching him, it's like, oh, that guy likes football a lot. Yeah. He's, and those he's, guys are fun. Shout he's out a to Tony, him. He's a Tony Montana special teams guy. Yes. The Blake Costanzo. Yes. Costanzo that, of strong safeties. That, that I think is a reasonable expectation for, for Hufanga. CJ Spellman, was that his name? CJ Spillman, yeah. Spillman, that's right. Yeah, had some had some questionable legal issues. Yeah, tough <laughs> tough go for him post 49ers career. Yeah. Um interesting stuff with the schedule though. I'm fascinated yeah. to see it play out. I'm I'm looking forward to uh potentially to traveling again. I think it's I think it's going to be I think like I think you said it was Shield Capetti in the Athletic said that they have the easiest schedule based on Vegas win totals and I yeah. see it. Yeah, totally. Like especially especially like you said, if the Seahawks finally have that little bit of a dip that we've been expecting from them for a decade, and then if the Cardinals are just kind of a middle of the road team. Yeah. Like the Texans have a real shot at not being very good, the Bengals might not be very good, the Jaguars might stink, the Vikings might not be very good. The the Packers have big time suck potential. Like there there's just the Bears, the, the Bears, the the Lions and the Eagles. Like there's a lot of teams on here where it's like, man, they they might not be that good of a team. And if the Niners are healthy, I, I just I, I I think they'd win a lot. Yeah, 
I, I think the Niners are going to get back to the playoffs, and I think they have the potential to be one of the first two seeds in the NFC, regardless of who's playing quarterback. Um, yeah. I think if Trey Lance started most of the season, I still think they're capable of that. I think they have a higher ceiling with Trey Lance, obviously, um, because, I mean, you can look at they his skill set, too. but I think, yeah, Kyle Shanahan does too. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I have high expectations for the 49ers, but obviously health is the is the sticking point. It's all that matters. The best, of, uh, the best ability is availability. They do say that. They do. <laughs> and it's true. That's one of the, yeah, it's a cliche that I hate, but it's also like I can't yeah. dislike it because it is true. Hey, one last thing. Do you make anything of Jimmy Garoppolo not making it into the 49ers preseason hype bid? Um, it's not nothing. Like it, it, you know, I think it's very clear. It's a clear that, marketing choice. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's clear that if the right offer came along, the 49ers would have no problem trading Garoppolo right now. I don't think that offer is coming until Garoppolo plays in a few games um, or somebody deals with an injury or there's an unforeseen circumstance. You know, like if the Packers end up do deciding to trade Aaron Rodgers, wouldn't they be like, hey, we could use a quarterback familiar with the system at least? Maybe. Um, you know, like the Texans, Nick Casario was with New England, I believe, when Jimmy Garoppolo was, was drafted there. With all the uncertainty around Deshaun Watson, could they be like, hey, we'll – you know, like let's let's make something happen for Garoppolo. So I mean, the team clearly knows that, so they're not going to like plaster Jimmy Garoppolo's face right. all over that. So they also didn't didn't have Trey Lance in any of it. Not that they really could, but they could at least have his face and him holding up like you know the draft night jersey or something. Sure. But it was uh, they they avoided the quarterbacks situation. Jeff Wilson Jr. made the video. So did Cassius Marsh. Big and- Cassius Marsh guy. And special teams, uh, Raheem Mostert. You got to be pretty good to beat out Cassius Marsh. It's a great point. That's probably, that might be my favorite. Now? That might be my favorite Kyle Shanahan quote. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's true, Cassius Marsh is in the NFL, and to play over him, you need to be a pretty special football player. Boy, this, is a, this wouldn't have been a good podcast topic in 2018. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, we're going to go now. We're going before we make anyone else hate us. Subscribe, rate, and review if you haven't. And we will see you guys later this week. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.